Hello and welcome to That Film Studio. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Glass. So 19 years ago, M. Night Shyamalan made a movie called Unbreakable, starring Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. What he did with the movie was deconstruct the superhero genre. In 2016, Shyamalan gave us Split starring James McAvoy. With a last-minute twist, Bruce Willis's character from Unbreakable showed up and we realised the two movies were set in the same universe. With Split, we had no intention of doing a podcast. Right. As soon as I saw Bruce Willis at the end, realised what it was, I messaged you immediately, we need to talk about Split. It's good It's good that we had gone and actually watched the movie, so we were ready. Um, but yeah, with the success of Split, the third movie was only a few years away, which is, of course, Glass. M. Night Shyamalan returns as writer, producer, and director, as does Bruce Willis, Samuel Jackson, Spencer Treat Clark, and Charlene Woodard from Unbreakable, and James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy from Split. If you haven't watched Glass yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Luke, you have the plot. David Dunn, working with his now-adult son Joseph, played once again by Spencer Treat Clark. I love the fact that they got the same actor to come back for this. Dunn has been using his superhuman abilities to protect people from criminals under the new alias known as The Overseer. Kevin Wendell Crumb played once again by James McAvoy, who suffers from disassociative identity disorder known as The Horde. He's still free following the events of Split. Dunn gets locked in a mental hospital alongside The Horde, as well as his once rival, Elijah Price, also known as Mr. Glass. Jackson is back. Jackson is back. Jackson is back. A psychiatrist played by... Sarah Paulson tries to prove that the trio do not actually possess superhuman abilities. Yeah. Damn. So this this trilogy is like one of the most uniquely crafted trilogies in terms of installments and how it's come about. They've dubbed it, well, at least the people, the populace have dubbed it the East Rail 177 trilogy. Bit of a mouthful, but okay. <laughs> I get it. It's the number of the train. Yeah, like you could just say... Unbreakable trilogy or something. Um, you know, how did we get here? So he brought out that first movie. Sixteen years later, brought out another movie, and then decided, do you know what? This is part of the same thing. Whoa, what a twist! You know, like most people, I was just taken with the Sixth Sense. Such a great movie, and then Unbreakable came out, and it immediately became my favorite of his films, and mm. that didn't change. And then all these years later, finding out Split was connected blew my mind. And then, you're right, here we are. 19 years later, we have a trilogy. Yeah, just a, like a like an overnight trilogy. Just boom, here we go. I mean, it wasn't overnight, but, you know, like it's it's crazy. We, you know, it's been just, uh, I mean, what, 2016 with Split. So yeah. it feels like, although we have that big gap between Unbreakable and Split, the, the gap between Split and Glass is fairly small. So it feels like it's just happened all of a sudden i just realized out of context what you're saying like the gap between split like the split between people know what i'm talking about <laughs> i didn't name these films <laughs> but, it, but here we are with the third film now when Shyamalan initially wrote the well, like unbreakable he did have a three a three-part story in mind but then you know, he scrapped the second and third parts just focusing on unbreakable because he, he felt like he didn't have them connected enough well originally the horde yeah, they were. He was supposed was to be incorporated. Unbreakable. 
Um, but I think this film is like his ultimate, like the finale to this thing. Like it's done and dusted, and it's when he can just bring his characters together, and he can really explore, I guess, like a a realistic, I suppose, take on superheroes, a superhero movie. So glass. And I, I fell for this movie as well, because I guess you're supposed to, or at least it's what Shyamalan intends, that I found myself, just like Dunn's son does, I was doubting. Like, because you start second-guessing yourself, like, oh. are they really, like, do they really have superpowers? Yeah. And you really, like, that doubt was planted in my mind. That scene in the pink room where, you know, Sarah Paulson's character is, and she is, great is in breaking this. down, you know, what we know, what we've seen in Split and Unbreakable. You know, like, I'm literally sitting there being like, no, shut up, Sarah Paulson. Like, they've got powers. They're, you know, they're cool. They're amazing. They're, they're going to do all these things. But then she's saying things. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, no, what if she's right? I mean, that that's it, Everything that's she is saying is fits. And at this point in the movie, Price isn't saying anything. He's just I don't dead think, silent. His eyes are twitching. It's got to be like an hour or so until Samuel Jackson says something or even really moves. Like it, Honestly, those four, like the, the, oh, what, they are so, that the performances are so strong in, in that scene. Price, he's not even saying anything, but just the present yeah. of Sam Jackson, it's, it was a great scene. The movie, I mean, the movie really slows down when you get to like that point in the movie where they are pretty much having the discussion, you know, like, what is this? All this doubt, you know, like you guys, it's all in your head. You know, there's reasoning behind it. All. The movie really slows down, but That's it's clearly so intentional. engaging yeah. if you're invested. I yeah, suppose. and I think, I think yeah, if you were to come into Glass, this being your first movie without the other two, I feel like you would just you would be like, and you'd be like, nah, what is going on? What well, is it's like you've picked up like the third issue of a comic book. Yeah, and you you need those really the first two parts. Shouldn't do that. The you, you mentioned doubt and stuff. What I find really interesting is so each character has like their color. It was. In Unbreakable, they did the same thing. Purple for glass, um, green for, for Dunn. They bring those colours back. They give yellow to, to Kevin or Hall, yep. whatever you want to call them. Those colours are really bright and vibrant when they're really... The characters are really playing up like, I've got these I've got these powers, I can do this. They're really bright on screen. They're very active. When there are scenes when they are having those discussions of like, maybe I'm doubting myself, you know, when there's a character sort of questioning everything that they, they think they are, the colours are very dull. It's the same colours, but they're dull. Like, Shyamalan really put a lot of effort into those details again. Like, it's it's a crafty piece of film. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that opening scene where we catch up on David Dunn, Bruce Willis's character, and he's, you know, he's working with his son. He's on a mission, basically, to, to hunt down the, the horde and, you know, take him down whatever well he's, st he's stopping petty criminals isn't he that's yeah. that's essentially where we first start with him but then you're right then he, he is, has this like, he's on the lookout for the horde that's his mission it's such an it's about 20 minutes or so it's almost like a little mini movie in itself of of just Dunn versus kevin you but know? going back to that scene when you were talking you know when we're talking about all the doubt and and he's saying that i touched him and i had a vision and i saw like the red sand or the red dirt well, that's and what Sarah Paulson's character she, was saying. She exactly, was like, you she saw points out that he's wearing white tracksuit bottoms and he had marks on there. So really, you're just seeing that. And in your mind, you're interpreting it this other way. Mm. Honestly, like, 
I was buying into what she was saying. Yeah, there was... Uh, yeah, no. It was honestly uh, one of the best scenes in the whole film. It really was. And, again, and it's like, no special effects. It's just four actors. With with this movie, I mean, with, with um, James McAvoy turning into the Beast, there's special effects there, I'm assuming. I mean, he's not... I have so many questions. Is he buff? Is I, he... I don't know what's happening. I don't know how they're doing it. Honestly, I don't know what's going on because... He must you're... be. I mean, he's pretty buff. He must be He does tensing. get pretty big. But they must be applying some sort of CGI. They're doing, or... They must be doing something. They must be. But when you go in from behind, I'm thinking, oh, well... And he's really big. He took like his top off. Like a double? Off. Like, yeah, body double. And then they'll flip the camera so they're looking at him front on. It's like, oh, he kind of still looks big. Like I, he... I don't know. However they're doing it, it looks brilliant. And if it's McAvoy... Double? Well done. Oh, <laughs> well done, sir. Don't you love how to turn into the beast, he has to take his shirt off. Oh, he has off. to, yeah. The beast does like, not like tops. He, he, he has to take his... I mean... He, he, gets, would, he overheats. He overheats. <laughs> he overheats. <laughs> That's what it is. He gets too warm. But that, that beast is just too hot. Uh, but no, great opening scene, or opening, I guess, act. I guess you've got Kevin again, like, with kidnapped girls, cheerleaders this time. Like, we're, we're getting a lot more of the 23 personalities where I think in, in Split we're going to go like oh, six man. or that something. That was such a strong performance by McAvoy because when they're in that scene and they've got the lights which make him switch personalities and it's just sort of like, it's just so rapid fire mm. that he's doing something else, something else and playing them also very differently. Like he's, he's carrying himself differently. The voice is different. It's an incredible performance. Like he can just switch between the two. Um, I, um, I doubt they use that many sort of cuts and stuff to sort of piece together something there's a lot of just fluid just him talking to himself and you can see that what he's doing here that's not something every actor can do like he's really he's doing something like he's so perfect for this like i think yeah like the words i can't even get words out to describe how good he is like and i mean what a performance like a character always strikes out it's like oh that was that really like seems different to all the others when he's patricia and he's, you know, he's, yeah, oh, he's just so good in this. The way that he carries himself as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> good on her. <laughs> well, um, you mentioned those lights. Now, like, I enjoyed that little, you know, like, it's a cool little gimmick that they use and that's a tool that they can just sort of play and bring out the other ones. I, I do have a, a gripe with it. It's like he could just close his eyes, put a pillow over his eyes and run towards the door. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But, but maybe, I'm not here to poke holes. But, you know, maybe <laughs> the light's so bright, it's, I don't know. <laughs> you can't, you can't hide it's actually it. the noise of the shutter that, <laughs> that triggers it, not the light. Um, but tiny grab, but I can... But then if we're looking at David Dunn's weakness that we were first introduced to in Unbreakable, it's water. Like the, you know, he's... Yeah, you know, I mean, he's, he survived a train crash. You know, he's he's got, like, enhanced strength. Um, he's like his skin's unbreakable, but he can drown, which is a weakness that Wolverine in X Men he has. Like he could drown. Well, I discussed this on um, the Rewind and Review podcast review of Unbreakable. Plug when <laughs> when we were dissecting sort of like water as his weakness. Like you can interpret it. As, it's not like Kryptonite to Superman, where it would it would like you know, it'll kill him. It was more like. Yes, um, David Dunn has unbreakable skin, he's super strong, all that kind of stuff. But the inside, his biology, how his bio- biology reacts it's to just like anybody It's just like anybody yeah, else. It's just like anybody else. So it's not there. necessarily yeah. a weakness, it's just that's his one vulnerable spot. But it is his weakness though, because like every every superhero <laughs> needs strong. to have a weakness. Yeah. And for him, it's water. 
Um, so you can't shoot him, but you can drown him. City can drown, and that's why they've got those well, know, big water cannons on him. He's in fear of water is actually his Achilles heel, and it plays a big role. And in we this found film. out that it was it, not from Unbreakable, but in this movie, a prank gone wrong when kids were like, trying to put him underwater, and that's where he yeah. nearly drowned. There's actually there's a few flashbacks in this one. I think that one was probably made for this film, but there's a few flashbacks um, involving um, even the like Joseph Joseph's character. Seems so you've got him with his mum and his dad had left. His dad was looking to get him the help that he needed and then his mum's talking about burning him with an iron. She's chasing oh, him Oh, that's upstairs. Kevin, sorry. Yeah, that's... Oh, sorry, Kevin. And who we, who else are we talking about? I was talking about Joseph. Uh, so David's... David Dunn's kid. Oh, Joseph. Yeah. So there are flashbacks. He has flashbacks. And it's, it's obviously footage from Unbreakable, but unused footage, deleted scenes... I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure... It's... In the opening, I talked about how perfect it was having the same actor back that played his son yeah. 19 years ago because it adds so much to this film. And especially an, an actor like him, like, that kid had... He has very unique eyes, you know, like... He does, like, he's got a distinctive look. Yeah, like, very distinct. Um, Yeah, to have the same guy come back, and that's like, you can see that's the same kid. I mean, he's looking less like Bruce Willis these days, but <laughs> like, yeah, it, but, but it, it still works. It really it adds so much that continuity to the film. Yeah. I mean, they also bring back Mrs. Glass, like the same actress, um, and then I mean, of course, they bring back Anya Taylor Joy from Split. But I mean, that was only three years ago. So, and I really liked Split. And I thought she was great in it, but in this, she didn't really do much for me. She was kind of like just there. She didn't really well actually. Well, those three carry characters, it as much as the other characters. So Casey, Mrs. Price, and Joseph. I mean. They play supporting supporting roles. They play the, they do. the psychic yeah. character where where Casey was essentially the main character in Split. Like she was the hero of the story. Yeah, but she was also the victim, and now she's like supporting him. And then I get it, like you know, yeah. it played out better than what I thought it was gonna. I was concerned, like, oh, how are they gonna shoehorn her into it as well? You know, like just putting all the characters together for the sake of it. I think it worked. Pretty well. Like, she played her role. She played the part that she needed to. Each of the main characters had that supportive that supportive character, I guess. And it's not like she was supporting the Beast or, you know... The no, she was supporting it was Kevin. Kevin. She yeah. had witnessed something back in, the, in that previous movie, and she knew he was still in there, so... You know. I mean, she's a messed up girl. Like, knowing her history, like, they were, yeah, she's... You can't question her motives. So Elijah Price, the namesake of the movie, that Glass, I mean, the, the movie is named after him. Like I said, we don't get him talking or really moving uh, I was, for an hour. I was surprised at that. Yeah. You know, all said and done, when the movie finishes, it works. But I was surprised that you've got, you've got him as, you know, he's the title character and he's not really doing a lot. I mean, I can know what he is, like, because, you know, even though, you know, Sam Jackson's been very quiet, Oh, he's doing he's, so he's, much. Yeah, he's, he's all. Yeah, so he is. I'm, yeah, I just mean, I thought it was going to be a lot more vocal, and he does get there. Yeah, like once he's, once he gets his outfit back, and you know, he's, he's got, got the purple suit. He's got the MG. Yeah, little, which I still don't know what badge. that means. <laughs> That's for Mister Glass. MG. Oh shit! I was it's like, like you know, a superhero will have like the the insignia or logo yeah. on the chest. So he's a superhero. I'm so dumb. I was like, he's got MG. Because no. each time I saw it, I was thinking, a bit much. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like you know, this is well, this guess, is you know this movie is deconstructing the superhero genre. That's a bit much. Though. He had the MG in Unbreakable as well, though. 
So you, and you took so two movies, <laughs> two movies of him wearing MG. You well, you're saying it was too much, but I'm like, maybe it was just enough because it was subtle enough. Or maybe it wasn't it. enough because you, you didn't even get it. It really needed to be Mr. G. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, he is doing so much even without doing anything really he, on he the is, screen. And you just I'll realize, take back what I said earlier. I just meant he wasn't talking. Like how much he's plotting behind the scenes, what's going on. There's the whole thing about, you know, like, we're going to expose ourselves to the world on that new building. And, like, I, I fault myself for thinking this. I'm sitting there watching the movie and, like, oh, they're, they're going to take them to this to this big building. And this is going to go real, like, superhero action. And we're going to see Bruce Willis really fighting James McAvoy. There's going to be a lot of action running up buildings. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then they don't get there. No. And I realise, and I'm like, of course they don't. That's not what these movies are. No, and they, we're already in the third act. It's not to come. Like, it's there. It's outside the hospital. Like that is your big finale. And I just sat there like dumbfounded myself. Like, are you an idiot? Like, of course this is that first Unbreakable movie. How many action scenes are in it? One ish. Like the tussle in that bedroom where he falls out the building into the pool. Into the pool. But yeah, nothing like what you get here. No, maybe like a subtle run through the stadium. Like whenever you see the beast running, that is. Visually interesting, like just to watch it's, that. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite bizarre. I'm watching because then I'm like, you know, do they have powers? Do they not have powers? But he's running like an animal. Like that's why I don't <laughs> care how how agile you are. You can't do that. James McAvoy <laughs> is the animal. <laughs> no, that's Rob Schneider. Oh, that's a different thing. <laughs> but I mean, that's where all the special effects sort of play in, pretty much with with Kevin, with Kevin, and all his bits and pieces. Big, you know, growing big. Bouncing around, climbing on walls. I mean, you don't really need to do much with Bruce Willis. He just sort of... He's just there and just pretends not to be hurt by stuff. On that, let's talk about Bruce. Okay. What do you want to say? Because we've been saying how great all the actors are in this movie. You know, praising McAvoy, praising Sam Jackson, Sarah Paulson. Let's talk about Bruce Willis because... Here's what I'll say. Yes. What will you say? I mean... I think they could have given him more to to do, to say, to work with. I agree completely. I think I, he does yeah. fine with what he has, but I mean, he is just—he's almost not there. He is almost not in this in this movie, and I don't mean he's not getting screen time. Even when he's there, he's just not really there. Now, I know. Do you think that's Bruce Willis, or do you think that's it the character? Could be the character because I know David Dunn is. A quiet person. In a so brain, maybe, I mean, like he, he maybe that's kind of flows is. through the movies. I just kind of, I thought, you know, we get Unbreakable, and then we get Split. We get. Did that you think this was the time for him with to Bruce go. Willis at the end? And I thought, even though it's Glass, this was going to be Bruce Willis, David Dunn's movie. He was going to be big. He was going to be heroic, and he does. I mean, you know, it he saves the cheerleaders. Like that. It starts like that, doesn't it? And I know, but then he gets taken out by a puddle. When I saw that puddle, to be fair, when was, I saw that, it was a boot there was, and a puddle. <laughs> there was a hole in the road. I like, please don't let that fill up with water. And it filled up with water. I'm like, please don't let that yeah, puddle like, kill Bruce Willis. It could have at least been like the room filled up with water, or he was in that tank and he couldn't get out. Or the something. second M Night Shyamalan movie, you get to the end and Bruce Willis is dead. It's not what I wanted. When I went into glass, you know what? I honestly thought I thought they were going to fully lean more into the into the the superheroes, the comic books, and get a little bit sillier. Casey mentions that when Superman first appeared, he couldn't fly. 
he could jump really far. Like he could oh, so leap tall buildings in a single bound. David Dunn was going to have more. I thought David Dunn ah. face down in the puddle, and then he was going to rise up and but, fly in the air. I guess like you were. That's that's what I thought it, was going to happen. You were, I guess, mistaken as well. Like that's not what this movie. This movie was to question, you know, what the characters are believing themselves to be, and then breaking that down and being like, you know, maybe just because you have abilities or this other things going on maybe it's not exactly what you think you know like this isn't fantasy this is this is yeah real this life. is said to be real you life have limitations they the movie is about questioning all of that but i did think she was setting it up earlier that like, i thought we were going to get like the next evolution of, of his abilities i Man, thought i thought cause... we were going to see casey and spandex at some point <laughs> with a cape like because it was Price, or was it Price? Or somebody was saying that, oh, yeah, he was saying to Dunn that you need to be pushed because you're stopping muggers. You're not living out your full potential, so I'm going to push you. And I thought he was going to be able to do more than bend metal bars. And even yeah. though he's still, in, you know, he's got unbreakable skin, he's got all these, you know, these powers. Yeah, but yeah. I thought it was going to be about he was going to get pushed and he was going to rise and. But well, that's think, not what happened. I mean, that's that's where the ending of the movie comes in. And oh, like, what a twist. So the reveal is that Sarah Paulson's character, the reason she's trying to convince them that they're not, you know, super beings, superhuman, superheroes, whatever, is because there's some sort of organization out there with all little, like, it's clover like a little tattoos. Four, it's like, is it a four-leaf like, or three-leaf clover? Something like that, yeah. So... And their role in the world, I suppose, is to suppress the super beings, superheroes from rising and being well known. So every time someone pops up and goes, I think I'm a superhero, I think I have abilities, they try and obviously convince them otherwise. So and discredit it, them and then they'll move on to the next city, which they were planning to do on this. And then if it doesn't work, plan B is to kill them. And you know, Because obviously if they, they can't convince them otherwise, they just have to get rid of them. Which and, is how the movie ends. They, and I was very surprised that your three characters, the Overseer, Mr. Glass, the Horde, all great names, by the way, <laughs> are all, all dead. But think about it. Like, this is the final chapter. This is the third final. Like, it's done. Uh, it's David done. The, why not kill your characters off? Like, it's... I mean, it, it's sad. It's disheartening. And it's like, oh, you know, there are, there are characters that we've grown to love. I stuck around for a post-credit scene that didn't happen. I didn't think there would, but I did enjoy the. You know, the oh, it was the... great when it was showing the like the logos for Unbreakable, Split, and yeah, yeah it was really cool. You see the reflections of the credits in the broken glass or the split glass or whatever glass smashed. But I, <laughs> I was, I was waiting because I thought either we're going to see, find something else about this organization that could either be the end of this film or the start of a continuation. Well, I mean, Glass says, you know, like, this isn't, this isn't like a, what does he say, like a special edition. He says, this is an, an origin, origin story. story. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, we're going to get Casey. The start we're going to get Casey in a, in a super suit. Not but Casey. No, no, no. I was thinking Joseph. <laughs> yeah, well, he's the son of an unbreakable man. True, and he was, he did have that moment in the gym and he was looking and, although that scene was playing more like, oh, anyone can lift, you know, like if you train hard enough, you can But no, that was, that was, that was, that was the movie, that was Shyamalan, the crafty git. That was him <laughs> planting more doubt in our minds. That's it, Because yeah. through Joseph's eyes, we're seeing that, yeah, that guy's lifting what, what his dad Yeah, like Bristol didn't lift that much stuff, like he is. But then you, but then, no, he really does. Like, you know, when he's hitting that metal door and... 
Oh, well, no, I mean, yeah. Did you, it, it suspect, comes back, comes did you suspect the psychiatrist? Because I did, and there's a reason why I suspected it of wrongdoing, because they clearly had cameras everywhere, and they had evidence of super feats being achieved. Evidence that she'd seen, and he nowhere reacted to. I had she a, didn't act surprised I had at a anything. different interpretation. It was when we get to the like the hospital, and we've got Glass still sort of playing comatose, and... Sarah Paulson's character is talking to him and she's saying, you know, like, because we're from something about like, oh, you know, we've got all these cameras everywhere, blah, blah, blah. It almost seemed like she was having a meeting with him, you know, like discussing things. And then the next the next scene you see um, Samuel Jackson and he's outside of his room and he's... Messing. So a part of me was thinking, are they in cahoots? Has Glass orchestrated right, this okay. to get these so. two characters together? I was going all over the place with it. When Clearly she, wrong. When she connected the dots and she's like, it, the reason he went to the basement is because that's where there's the most people, the most cameras. Yeah. Oh, it was, like she it said, was good. When, when she states that it's like, oh, he never wanted to get to that building. <laughs> and on that pamphlet, a true marvel. <laughs> oh, it was nice. Nicely played. But yeah, that the unwrapping twist being like, you know, how the movie ends, there's, they, there's an origin story for... The superhero world i guess like there's a world of people out there with powers so essentially if there was to be a fourth movie which i don't think there would be but if there was the next chapter would be people rising up and saying oh you've got powers i've got this and then you know obviously this organization wouldn't be big enough to control and I, contain yeah. everyone i reckon if they were to continue it it would be tv i don't think they'd make oh, more movies they'd do it on tv and and because it's going to be different characters, different abilities, they could even treat it as, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, he, he produced the first season of Wayward Pines. Right. And you know the, that how that show was structured. Like the, the second lead, season, it was almost... And they were changing up the cast, but then you had Matt Dillon, mm. you know, a movie guy leading a TV series. And in season two, they brought in Jason Patrick. I could see them doing something similar, but within this universe, but on TV. So almost like an anthology type series where it's all connected for individual mini characters. Yeah, have but, someone popping up every now and then. But I don't see them making more movies, and I think they should just stop because this is a very unique trilogy. And as soon as you make a fourth, no longer a trilogy. I, mean, so I think just from keep the it as it is from the construction of the trilogy, how it's come about, how each movie has stood, and how it was concluded. You're right. Like unique is. The best description. And the word, single word titles, Unbreakable, Split, Glass. They work all together. They work together. The posters all line up. With... But you, it's not like they're making Unbreakable 2, Split. Unbreakable 3, Glass. Yeah. It, they sound like three different things, but it's the same trilogy. I can't think of anything else you could compare it to. I mean, there's, there might be something out there, but to, I mean, there's to be this the, the Cloverfield films where they keep coming out, and the last minute we're told, by the way, that's a Cloverfield film. Oh, yeah. So, but I can't think of another time where a movie's come out and it's like, oh, wow, I didn't realise it was connected to the other thing. And I think, I guess, like, the movie industry, you know, like, it is a business. There's marketing, there's, you know, there's investors. People need to know this information. When you, when you put out a, a new project... And you're trying to sell it, you're trying to sell it to masses. You you want to tell people what it is to get the best results. M. Night Shyamalan didn't do that with Split. He just put it out. He self financed it. Yes, with um, Blumhouse. Yes, Blumhouse. Okay, Jason Blum. And you know, it was Universal and Blumhouse. Yes. Well, Universal. Did they put out the 
Unbreakable, I think. Unbreakable was Touchstone, which is... Well, oh, so it's all over yeah, the place. Yeah, it's a division of Disney, and it still was. There was actually a a very unique, again, um, negotiations between Universal and Disney when Split did come out to for Disney to allow Universal to include Bruce Willis's character in at the end of Split and then combine them. And then obviously further on to make this Glass movie, the two studios made the project together. Ah. Even though Disney and Universal considerably rivals, they're not two production companies that usually team up. But I think, yeah, Disney's really learnt how to play well with other films. Yeah, no, they have. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming. It, yeah, it's doable. So, no, it's really good. It's a unique thing. And I think Shyamalan's come out and said, this situation likely would never happen again. Like, he, he, was, he said he's like, really lucky that they've, the studios managed to let this happen. I mean, nobody knew how successful Split was going to be, like how well-received it was. Yeah, like critically. And it, oh. it's a really good film. <laughs> it is a really, was really good film. Was that in either of our tops for that year that it came we out? didn't but that's because when we do our year in review we do like top three yeah like but definitely would have but been it was in the top it was 10 yeah. and that's a good top, it is yeah like that's up there that's i mean that was a pretty good year 16 yeah that was all right we should mention the score i guess before we finish up we got west dylan thoughts then now he returned he's returning from split so and he did bring a very distinctive sound to the beast and it's it's very yeah. horror I don't know, it's a quite an eerie, scratchy or like it's not scratchy, it's it's a weird sound, isn't it? It's 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 like rapid movement. Yeah. Looks like violins, yeah. like little like riffs like very horror movie sort of sounds. And then obviously he he did a little bit of incorporating the unbreakable sort of themes and stuff from James Newton Howard in Split, especially at the end. This one obviously he does it a bit more. I think this works really well. Like you get those horror elements with with Kevin, you get the unbreakable score with Dunn, and well, I guess you get it with Glass as well because his theme was throughout Unbreakable. It all comes together, but it is new and it's fresh and huh, like it's really good, really good. And just having M Night Shyamalan as that through line, it just it everything it just feels of a piece. It doesn't feel like at the last minute they've just made split connected to Unbreakable yeah. it feels like it was his project from the start it was the plan from the get go all three movies written, produced, directed and uh, and a cameo from him as well in each movie and but apparently the same character yeah because he mentioned that he saw him at the stadium which in Unbreakable he does cameo as a guy potentially holding drugs Bruce Willis tries to confront him he doesn't find any but apparently that moment shook him and he changed his direction, which so this, he mentions yeah, in this movie. It alludes to that. Yeah, so he is that same character from Unbreakable. But in, in Glass, he's playing a character who's working in security, with like security money. So I think that is a different character. Unless he's got twin brother. No, it's the same. It's apparently the same character. Oh, is it? Yeah. So, oh, right. Because he said, yeah, that like, makes more oh, sense. I met you in the stadium and blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, I was hanging around the wrong crowd and I changed directions oh, in life, really essentially. Cool. I so didn't realise. So he started working in security monitoring or whatever. In Split, he also has a cameo, and what is he doing? He's working, secu- he's setting up a security system yeah, for, of course. for the psychiatrist, the therapist, oh, or whatever. Yeah. Is it the zoo? No, yeah, yeah. what's well, for the the uh, yeah the old lady? What's her name? I forget her name. Cool. He's the same character <laughs> in all three movies. Wow. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> That's the biggest twist of all. All right, let's let's wrap this up. Let's do our ratings, and I'm excited for yours because I'm curious. Yeah, I thought this movie was 
Brilliant. Really enjoyed it. I did feel, you know, spoke to Bruce Willis that like it was just a little bit lacking. Disappointed that he got taken out by a puddle. I'm going to stop going on about the puddle. <laughs> but just what Shyamalan has achieved over these three three movies and to have it as a complete story. I think if we're looking at this as a third act, he really, you know, achieved what he what he set out to. Mm. Like this is a really good complete story. And for me, it's a solid four out of five. Okay. This movie really worked for me. Um, I went in with, and it's rare for me to go in with high expectations and have those expectations met. Um, the first two movies also so solid. Um, I mean, I think I probably praised everything I can throughout this review anyway, but I find it very hard to fault really anything. Maybe Bruce Willis, you know, like they could have done more with him, but I think they achieved exactly what was set out for with this film, what they wanted to put on screen, what Shyamalan wanted to, the story he wanted to tell and how he wanted to wrap it up. He, he did it, and I think that's that's filmmaking at its best. Now, last year, I did not give anything a five, but this is a five out of five. Oh, wow. We have done it, and it's only... It's the first review of the year. It's only January. <laughs> Wow. I walked out of this cinema in the drive home talking to the wife and me mate and um, yeah, we were talking about it and I was like, guys, we've got it. We've peaked. <laughs> the year has peaked. So it's only downhill from here. I'm very, yeah, I'm very pleased with how this turned out. I mean, a five and a four, two very high scores. Yeah, look, I was gripped throughout the whole thing. It's a pretty long movie as well, but to hold my attention for that long and keep me invested, you know. Uh, Something yeah. happened in my screening. That's never happened to me before. You know the scene where you've got Dunn and Price, where they come together for that first time, mm-hmm. and Price is saying you need to step up, you need to be more, and yeah. you know, reach your potential, all that, all that stuff. The projector light went out. What does that mean? What it happens? means the audio continued, but the screen was black. So I heard all of that scene play out for maybe eight minutes. Yeah. And then once the projectionist got the shit together... They replaced the bulb and the picture came back on again. They rewound it way too far. So then I found myself watching more of the movie that's than your, I needed to do that, a second that's time. Your, that's your one point. That's why so it's... It, <laughs> it, that did... I've got to be... That's why I'm disclosing it now. I, that probably did affect oh, my no. viewing. But that's, that's a, nothing to do with Shyamalan. He had no control <laughs> over that. That is the cinema that I went to. A bit of behind the scenes with the, with the cinemas now. And how like Because it's all digital, there's not usually someone in the projection room. Yeah, and that's why we had to go in the lobby and find some. Because it's yeah. all just a computer. It's all robots. Working it until something like that happens. <laughs> yeah. And someone has to run upstairs, which usually takes five or so yeah. minutes. Plus the time it takes to fix whatever issue is. It's they, terrible. They rewound it. It's like, oh, okay, I could watch it from here. And then they went way back. Oh, okay. <laughs> We've gone all the way back. <laughs> so like, it's, <laughs> it's a weird experience being in the cinema, like re-watching what you just watched like eight minutes ago. That is strange. But anyway, I just want to share that with like you and everybody. Your time travel <laughs> a little bit. Um, okay, I've got a bit of trivia before we go. And it's hard to find some glass-specific trivia, so I just went for M. Night Shyamalan trivia. So his name, right? <laughs> Bear with me. Uh, Manoj Nelayatu, right? Shyamalan. That's his name, right? Well, well, I thought M. Night Shyamalan was <laughs> difficult to say. Well, Night. Uh, sorry, I had a, had a little bit more information here but I kind of so he went to he went to school at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts in Manhattan graduating in 1992 bear with me 
a big uh, bomb is coming. It was at this school where he was studying that he adopted Knight as his second name. <laughs> and where did Knight come from? I don't know. Okay. It came from this school. Yeah. That's... Oh, if only there was some glass movie trivia. <laughs> Good trivia, man. Written, I directed, can't even... and produced by I M. Night Shyamalan. I can't even remember what your trivia was. His that second he went name... to school. <laughs> he adopted Knight as yes. his name whilst okay. he was at that school. That he did. All right, fair enough. And on that bombshell. <laughs> that is it for our review of Glass. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. And we also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. Also check out our new website. It has all the latest episodes with the entire back catalogue on its way. Up next from us is our review of the latest DC animated feature, The Reign of the Superman. Sounds like comics have an episode looking at Titans and Rewind and Review finally have their Die Hard episode. So more Bruce Willis. Oh yeah. So that'll be up uh, sometime soon. <laughs> You've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film. See you soon. Bye.